0: Alright, I think we're live. Howdy guys, Jimmy Song here. Welcome to another episode of Bitcoin Tech Talk Q&A. As usual, this is the show where I go over my newsletter which comes out every Monday morning and it goes over all of the stuff that happened in the past week in the world of Bitcoin. Anyway, uh, welcome to the show. I have a bunch of things to share with you today um, and and I will be doing a reading of uh, at least one of the stories. So, uh, let's uh, let's take a look. Uh, once again, you can uh, subscribe to my newsletter using the links below, um, and you know I, it's something that I put out every week. I'm up to 168 issues now, which is kind of crazy. All right, um, uh, a few things to show: uh, the little Bitcoin book is of course available on Amazon, and it is available on paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's fairly. Uh, fairly affordable uh, it's got 52 customer ratings wow 52 huh I didn't even know is that many I, I should uh, click helpful for more people all right so we, it's got it's got like 52 ratings lots of people. Uh, that are rating it. It's also available in Spanish and, uh, for Kindle and paperback, and it's also now available in Portuguese. Um, o pequeno livro do Bitcoin porque Bitcoin importa, yeah, etc., etc. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, we we will be having more editions. I think Hindi is uh, pretty close to release. Um, Arabic and Turkish should be out fairly shortly. Uh, we have. Korean in the works, uh, Mandarin in the works, uh, Vietnamese in the works, um, German, French, Dutch, all in the works as well. I think Russian as well. So we're we we, we want to get this out to absolutely everybody as soon as possible. So that's uh that's a little Bitcoin book. Once again, it is available on um on audiobook, and it has fifteen ratings. Wow, I didn't realize there were that many. Um, I should click helpful for all of these. But yeah, uh, yeah, lot, lots of people rating it on, on there as well. Here's my other book, Programming Bitcoin, Learn How to Build, Program Bitcoin from Scratch First Edition from O'Reilly. It is available on Amazon for $41. All right, uh, so uh, yeah, oh, one more thing. Um, programming Bitcoin, uh, I think I that's two Ms. Yeah, coin.com. And this is my website. If you, uh, if you are interested in uh, taking my seminar, we'll be in Las Vegas, February twentieth and twenty-first. That is where we're going to, uh, where you're going next, going to be able to learn from me. It's a two-day, very intensive seminar. You don't have to know anything about Bitcoin. I will teach you pretty much everything, as long as you know how to program Python. All right, so let's uh, let's get on with it. Let's uh, let's take a look at some of the stories on our list. We got a bunch of them today. A lot of them have sort of a year-end flavor, like this one from Aaron Van Worden. It's for Bitcoin Magazine. Bitcoin's 2019 in Tech: What this year has brought us. Um, uh, let's see. It starts with Guix, which uh, which I didn't expect uh, him to be highlighting, but this uh, really cool. Uh, project from Carl Dong to make sure that the entire stack for compiling Bitcoin Core is trustworthy, um, and you know he he did a he did a deep dive. He had a really good presentation in Amsterdam about this, um, and you know he showed how having even one part of the tool chain compromised could uh, compromise the whole thing, and he showed some examples of that. And uh, now now it's uh, using Gideon and. Um Well, actually, it was using Gideon, but doing something else. And Carl, Carl's uh, been doing great work on that. He's also taking my class, by the way. And he works at Chaincode Labs. All right. Side chains increase, increase asset offering. So RSK and Liquid uh, have a bunch of different, uh, different assets on their platform. I mean, they're still centralized, of course. But the fact that you can do it more anonymously and sort of not spanning the main chain and stuff like that... Um, makes for uh, a more interesting use case than, say, um, something like Ethereum, which is has, like, tons of hard forks and stuff like that. We'll be talking about that later. Um, Shamir backups for more secure storage. Um, yeah, I mean, Shamir's been around. I mean, I mean, we had that at Armory back when I was there, so it's not like it's anything new. Uh, but they have made it a lot more convenient with Satoshi Labs' announcement on Trezor. Um Pay to endpoint. this is a uh, this is an interesting breakthrough that uh, that they've come up with as uh, I mean, I think Samurai has a version and and so on. it's it's more uh, privacy tech really interesting stuff. Uh, mini script um still, you know, like it hasn't quite been deployed, but like the spec is out and you can compile it to script and it can find sort of, Uh, more efficient ways of doing particular things and so on. So I expect Miniscript to become more prominent as use of uh, pay-to-witness script hash and things like that become more prominent. So uh, that's a really good review. I encourage you to read all of it and dig into some of this stuff if any of it sounds interesting. Uh, That was the Bitcoin Tech Year in Review. Um, This is another one. Uh, This is from Binance Research. Bitcoin Mining Allocation. So this is seeking to answer the question, you know, why is the hash rate sort of um, the way it is between Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV? As as you know, all of them use double SHA-256 or what we in Bitcoin call hash-256 um, as the proof of work mining algorithm. So, um, you know, there, there's a it's a pretty comprehensive research report starting with just sort of like how ASICs have completely dominated. This is a log chart, so like going up on this graph uh, is like an order of magnitude. So it's kind of incredible how um, how things have uh, gone up in terms of mining difficulty. I think it's uh, it's currently at around 13 trillion, uh, which is kind of an insanely large number. Uh, but that means uh, you know at, at the very beginning it was one, so it's 13 trillion times more difficult now than it was when satoshi was mining Uh, so kind of crazy but that's uh, that's the way it is um this is the asic era and uh since january 2015 just sort of terahertz per second um asics have improved significantly this isn't a log chart but so but it is sort of increasing linearly roughly speaking Um, let's see and then it goes into the different forks btc bch and bsv and sort of the The prices versus the actual, I think uh, lower down they have, um, yeah, uh, the, where is the, yeah, the, yeah, like the hash rate, um, uh, like from August 1st to December 31st, 2017. um, And then sort of the mining reward to difficulty ratio, sort of like the profitability and so on. And the aftermath analysis, Uh, reward to difficulty ratios more or less stayed exactly the same on both. So in other words, miners are going, um, you know, doing the economically rational thing. Um, And then uh, BSV comes in. And what's interesting about BSV is that it tends to not mine necessarily very economically rationally. And you can uh, you can see that in. oh Gosh, did I skip the graph already? Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah. So cumulative estimated cost of opportunity to mine bt bsv instead of btc so all of that hashing power on bsv it's um i mean they whoever is mining bsv they they've lost like cumulatively they've lost like 12 million dollars um which is kind of it it, you know it's it's kind of mind-boggling why that would happen but Uh, Yeah, it's asking some good questions. It does some good analysis. Good on Binance research to do all of it. Um, Encourage you to read all of it. All right, let's take a look at the next one. Um, This is from Bull Bitcoin and they are, of course, an exchange out of Canada and they now have a recurring buy feature. Uh, which is very convenient for dollar cost averaging. So for somebody that wants to get into Bitcoin, uh, but you know, don't want to buy it in one lump sum because they might be buying too high and so on. Uh, dollar cost averaging kind of helps uh, to accumulate in a reasonable manner. And uh, and they've made this possible using this tool that they have uh, available to Canadian customers. I think there are services in the US that are working on this as well. So uh, stay tuned. I think this will be the way in which people accumulate Bitcoin, and if the number of people dollar cost averaging or the amount being dollar cost averaged every day exceeds the amount of new mining Bitcoin that are coming in, then at that point you're you're going to see price rises that go crazy. So, just something to think about. Um, all right. Uh, and Bitcoin's eternal struggle. Uh. Interesting article from uh, Der Gigi. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce that guy's name. Or, I mean, I guess it's just Gigi. Um, but yeah, it, it's talking about entropy and how Bitcoin uh, has this, this struggle to, um, you know, create like basically make a better um yeah to into becoming a currency basically or becoming the world reserve currency. Um, and yeah, it, yeah it, it's um he's part of like I guess the Bitcoin times uh, full guide and stuff like that. so um yeah, interesting article it, it's a little hard to explain encourage you to read it to find out all right, so lightning has a couple of uh, developer discussions that are interesting uh lightning in a taproot future by. Z-Man. Um by the way, Z M N S C P X J. Apparently that's like base sixty four for some profane word or something. I, I I don't I haven't actually decoded it in base sixty four, but that's where the name comes from. But everyone just calls this guy Z Man. He recently got um funded by Square uh to do work um and by staying anonymous. Anyway, um yeah, goes through uh, you know the initial Poon Dryja, um lightning channels uh, or payment channels, which uh, and then adding Schnorr to it, which will be available with Taproot. Um, you know, composable music, which uh, music is the blockstream uh, you know uh, from the block stream paper about how you can basically aggregate signatures and pub keys, um, and then point lock time lock contracts. Uh, lot, lots of interesting um, ideas here in this paper uh, or, or mailing list uh, post about, you know, what lightning can uh, use from Taproot to make things simpler. And there, there's certainly a lot of different uh, different things, including not making it two of two. You can have it be um, just a Schnorr signature, and I, I think you can do it as a pay-to-witness script hash, but... Uh, well, not even a pay-to-witness script hash. I guess it could be pay-to-witness pubkey hash if you can do it in Schnorr. Uh, well, anyway, um, so interesting stuff there. Um, yeah, that way nobody knows that it's uh, it's a lightning channel, for example. Uh, let's see, and the other mailing list one is uh, faking lightning network transactions to roadblock chain analysis. Doesn't make any sense. And there, there's uh, a, a bit of a discussion on the mailing list uh, about that. So... Interesting stuff. A lot of people are thinking about privacy, obviously. Um, I had an article uh, this week about, uh, whoops, I I guess I I put it to the wrong one. But yeah, so those are my stats and not the actual article. Um, Let's see if I go to stats and then I can review this story. So I wrote this article earlier in the week. and I'll 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 read this real quick as a as a way to sort of explain it. I also want to read the Greg Maxwell thing, so we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but blog that Bitco uh, Bitco announced that uh, because BSV is ending pay to script hash, um, they're going to no longer support pay to script hash. Uh, come February four, two thousand twenty, uh, which is when the BSV hard fork is scheduled. They're literally getting rid, uh, rid of BSV. Uh, I mean, pay-, pay to script hash on BSV, which is crazy. I, I guess you're gonna have to use bare multisig or something for, um, for multisig kind of stuff. But that's that's what they're planning. Um. CoinList uh, and CoinFloor is delisting everything except for Bitcoin, including Bitcoin Cash and Ethereum. Um, and that is very interesting. They're one of the older exchanges. Um, they don't have the highest volume, but uh, these two are what inspired me to write this article, Why Exchanges Delist Coins. Alright, so this is uh this is something that I also want to read through. Um this is from Greg Maxwell. Massive replay theft coming to a scam chain near you. Bitcoin scam version. I like his um his uh his alternate renaming of B BSV. Um and we'll we'll talk about exactly what he says because as usual, whenever Greg posts something, every sentence has like a lot packed in, so you have to be very careful reading it, or read it through, like, three or four times, like I usually have to, um, in, in order to understand what the hell he's saying, so, uh, all right, so we'll we'll talk about that in a minute, but before I do that, let's see if there are any questions, I don't, I don't see any, but we will go through some of my tweets from the past week, there haven't been quite as many, because I did this show last Tuesday, uh, so let's, uh, let's talk about some of those, all right, so... All right. It would be interesting to see how Ethereum would handle a 2x-like event. I'm sure businesses could pressure ETH much more easily than ETH central community would uh, probably bend over backwards to help them. Um, And basically, um, yeah, this is on the heels of the news that uh, Ethereum is going to hard fork again because they screwed up on the... Um, on the difficulty adjustment, so they they had this thing called like uh, you know the difficulty bomb. They forgot to move it in the part as part of the last hard fork, so miners are not getting as much reward as they were expecting. So in order to fix that, they have to do a second hard fork, and it turns out that it's going to be January first. Why would you do it then? But I I, I don't know. Uh, but they're they're planning to do a hard fork January first, and Udi here is uh, is asking like. Why aren't the businesses like demanding that they not do that? Because that's a lot of work for a business to have to, you know, look through the code, and uh, I'll go through this in in my article and uh, make sure that it's valid, and they get the right binary and all of that stuff. Um, instead, they're they're just sort of like, you know, uh, the Ethereum Central Committee just sort of gets to dictate what's going on and. Uh, and my wondering is, like, how would they handle a 2x-like event? If uh, if the exchanges sort of demanded certain things from Ethereum, could they get concessions? And my guess is yes, they would. Um, all right. Today, I learned about vanity sizing, the term for how clothing manufacturers keep shrinking sizes to get people to buy. So <laughs> this, is, uh, this is mostly women's clothing, but it turns out that a lot of clothing manufacturers... Um, uh, like up their sizes or, or down their sizes a little bit. So size 12 in 1937 uh, is the equivalent of size zero today. So size 12, um, the, you know, became like size six by the 60s and size six became size zero today. And it's um, it's essentially making women feel like they're getting skinnier by sort of deceiving them with uh, with, with, you know, pretending that, uh, that they're getting skinnier when they're actually not. It's, it's the clothes that are getting bigger. Um, and that's kind of how fiat money works. And you know it was, uh, it was something that I, I wanted to point out in that tweet. It's, it's a lot like fiat money, fiat clothing, in, in other words. All right. I'm seeing a pattern. BCH, remove SegWit, added larger blocks. BSV, remove pay to script hash, added even larger blocks. BCW, Bitcoin Craig, remove pay to pubkey hash, go to pub, pay to pubkey, add gigamag blocks, BCA, Bitcoin Calvin, remove public key cryptography at teragig blocks. Um, yeah, so I mean, Bitcoin Cash basically removed SegWit. Bitcoin Satoshi's vision removed pay to script hash, or they're about to. I expect it to keep going, which uh, would eventually just, uh, you know, um, end in a, in a giant centralized database where you can probably have teragig blocks or something. Just. Uh, I mean, that's a logical endpoint, I guess. Um, Here's another one. Bitcoin does not owe you a business model. Exchanges do not owe an altcoin liquidity. Central committees of altcoin do not owe you a working product. The market does not owe you price stability. The entitlement mindset is poisonous and you'll make better decisions. A lot of Bitcoin companies, uh, you know, like expected their business model to continue as fees got larger and stuff like that. And that was why I wrote Bitcoin does not owe you a business model. Hat tip to Ben Davenport for that. Um, Exchanges do not owe an an altcoin liquidity. um, And altcoins kind of expect that. But, you know, liquidity is everything. And they don't have to provide it to you, right? Um, and, And that's... Uh, unless maybe they got bribed into doing it and maybe they do actually. Central committees of all coins do not owe you a working product and this is the sad reality of ICOs and market does not owe you price stability. This is for all the no coiners that complain about price volatility. That's just not how the market works. Contenders to the Bitcoin maximalist throne, token sales, blockchain, not Bitcoin, Ethereum, Segwit2x, BCH, stable coins. Those predicting the imminent demise of Bitcoin are much more often facing the same demise themselves instead. Yeah, all of those things are dead or dying uh, as we speak. Um, there's an interview that I did in Korea. It's all in English in case you're curious. Um, yeah, it, was, it was a fun interview. Uh, all right, progress. Today versus May, two th- May 12, 2019. Bitcoin is up 3%. I think it's uh, up more now. Just about everything else down significantly. XTZ and BSV are the exceptions. Uh, Litecoin, EOS, uh, Cardano... Uh, stellar and Dash are all down more than 50 percent since may of this year which is kind of crazy right like this is this is what it looks like today it's seven uh well it's it's more than that now uh but i mean look at look, look at these numbers right like it, it's it's kind of crazy and then you can take a look at what it looked like just like six months ago six and a half months ago um and uh actually about seven months ago it's like Bitcoin Cash was $350, right? Like, now it's like 190 or 180 something like that. Litecoin was was $84. It's trading at under 40 And, like, all of these things have gone down tremendously. And that tells me that the market is, is becoming a lot more rational about these things and realizing that these altcoins don't really matter. Uh, we'll talk about why exchanges delist bitcoins. I did do a debate with David Garrard, um, which you can listen to and vote on if you're so inclined. Unpopular opinion. The people investing in Ripple, the company, are counting on XRP as their safety net. XRP could drop by 98% and there would be enough Ripple to make them whole. Now... They're quote unquote valued at one, uh, $10 dollars or whatever, but the people that put in two hundred million, they're not stupid, right? They they probably have some clause in there, like uh, we can claw back the money if uh, if everything else fails, and essentially they can um, they probably have some clause that gives them uh, some rights to the Ripple that Ripple the company owns, um, and using that they can make themselves whole even if uh, XRP drops by ninety eight percent or something like that. So. Um, my point here is that don't believe all of the numbers. It's it's most likely just like a way to make themselves look better. I mean the only thing that Ripple has made money on is really XRP and it's because of uh, people having unit bias and things like that. All right. What's your best? I got scammed out of Bitcoin story. Really fun stories on on this thread. I think I might make this a thing uh like saturday stories or something like story saturday maybe and i'll, I'll ask for some interesting stories a lot lot of people with some interesting stories um you know um you know people buying altcoins obviously uh hash rate stuff and random random things like that i did post my story in 2014 i bought an ollie tin adam smith two big bitcoin coin um and found out a few years later that they kept the private key and got hacked and the two Bitcoins on the coin got stolen. So that's my story. I lost two Bitcoin uh, from 2014 due to those scammers at Ali 10. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, here's here's the next one. Let me spell out what's happening. And uh, we'll, we'll go into this a little bit more when we read, read Greg's story, uh, Greg's post on uh, RBSV. Uh but essentially, uh, if you spend pre-August 1st, 2017 pay to script hash UTXOs on BTC, anyone on BSV can just take them after uh, you know, the next BSV hard fork because they can um, take the hash preimage, image uh, because that's the only thing it's protected by and just take them. Um, And, you know, I'm speculating that it's, uh, you know, they forked in order to steal a bunch of value from, you know, sort of inactive things or something like that. Um, And uh, I'll go over that in a minute. Um, uh, And I wanted to get some data so I can work on my project. Um, Here's the actual debate poll that you can can vote on. I guess more people agree with me, but uh, who knows what the result will be at the end. And here's my final tweet that I published this morning. Lessons from 2019. Publishing a book is just the beginning of the work that you have to put in. And I realized this after I released both my books. I had to go on a lot of podcasts and promote the hell out of it. Um, and that's just something that you have to do. The right community can 10x sem- self-improvement. I'm part of the Bitcoin community. I'm part of a group of uh, people that I, I can hang with and talk about life with and do life together with. And and uh, And that's... That's very useful for self improvement. If you want to improve, go find some friends, basically, that that have the same mentality. Uh, hunger, anxiety, and desire are all mental. Um, yeah, I I did not realize that hunger was all mental until I tried fasting for a, a long period, and uh, and that's something that I can talk about at some point. But um, anxiety also, like you don't you don't need to drink in order to relieve yourself of anxiety, for example, and desire too. You don't, um, if you can determine not to want something. You you can you can get past it. Um, discipline is all about staring at a blank page. This I learned from writing. You just have to be willing to uh, stare at a blank page for a long time and be as bored as possible. So you'll you'll act, and that's oftentimes what gets you to, to do some amazing things. Bitcoin really does fix this. That really needs no explanation. So. Um, Yeah, that that's uh, that's it for my Twitter page. Let's uh, let's uh, do a couple of read throughs. I'll I'll do Greg's first. All right. So massive replay theft coming to a scam chain near you. Bitcoin scam version. Here, let me make this a little bigger so you guys can see it a little better. Uh, The exclusively blockchain of the world renowned fraudster Craig Wright, Fraud Toshi, has recently announced their latest coercive rule change. The document informally describes the intended changes. Three of its components interact in an interesting way. Here's the first one. If the transaction which contains the UTXO that is being spent was or will be confirmed in a block before the genesis activation height, the genesis activation height is sometime around February of 2020, then the input script and the output script for the UTXO being spent by that input. Are evaluated according to the two rules prior to the Genesis upgrade. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, so if it's confirmed before the activation height, then it's whatever rules were there before. If the transaction which contains the UTXO that is being spent was or will be confirmed in a block with a height greater than or equal to the Genesis activation height, then the input script and the output script for the UTXO being spent by that input are evaluated according to the Genesis upgrade. So after the Genesis activation height, which happens around February of 2020, early February, then there Uh, then they're all uh, evaluated according to the Genesis upgrade, according to the new rules. Uh, So, after a certain block, new rules are in place. That's essentially what a hard fork is. So, that's that's what they're doing. After the Genesis activation, the original signature hashing algorithm, which is still in use on the BTC blockchain, is valid for outputs created before the Genesis activation. All right. So, what does this mean? So, Basically, uh, as part when Bitcoin Cash forked off of Bitcoin, one of the things that it did was it changed the signature algorithm. And despite their opposition to SegWit, they actually took the SegWit uh, signature hashing algorithm, which is defined in BIP 143, and that's uh, that's basically the SegWit serialization for the signature hash um, instead of what was before, which is um, which is basically defined by Satoshi, and you know it, it, it does this. Uh, the what, what we'll call sort of the legacy serialization for the signature hash. And um, so what this is saying is after the Genesis activation, the old way uh, pre-Bitcoin cash split um, signature hashing algorithm uh, is now valid. I, I guess you can still use the BIP-143 style um, signature hashing, but the old ones will also be valid. Okay so what, uh, all right so that's 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 point number two on the on the rule change there. And the Pay to script hash script template will not be tra- treated specially for outputs but will be evaluated normally. Now if you know about Pay to script hash, essentially what it does is um, it has a very special rule that they put in as part of Vip 13 which is that if you encounter a particular sequence, op hash 160, 20 byte hash, and op equal, then whatever came before it, that's the redeem script that gets put into the script evaluation. Um, That's no longer going to be the case. So instead of it being locked to the evaluation of the redeem script, it's now locked purely to the pre-image of the script hash. which is a lot easier if you can just uh, and, you know, that has to be revealed whenever pay to script hash is spent. It's just called the redeem script. So if you know the redeem script without having to fulfill the conditions of the redeem script, you can actually just redeem it on BSV because they're sunsetting um, pay to script hash. So the combination of these three rules means that every transaction Bitcoin made in the future or past spending coins that exist on BSV can be replayed onto BSV post fork and any of these replays that create paid script hash outputs will have their outputs collectible by any user of BSV knowing only the redeemed script and without knowing any private keys. But realistically, they would be collected by whatever faction of mining can amass 50% of the hash power. Um, All right. So let me parse all of that for you. All right. um, So... Anything after the Genesis activation, which will be, I guess, uh, February, early February 2020, means that if, if the UTXO exists in BSV, and presumably they only exist if it's before August 1st, 2017. So anything before August 1st, 2017, any UTXO that existed before then. Um, after February 2nd, if those get spent on Bitcoin... Then that can be replayed, or uh, any anything that creates a pay-to-script-hash output. Those those can be replayed, and and then stolen. If it's a pay-to-script-hash output that's spent, then uh, in any way, then they can just take the pre-image and spend it as well on BSV. So in other words, it's it's taking any coins that. Uh, that haven't already claimed their BSV portion uh, away from the people that haven't claimed them. Uh, it, it's basically taking, it's, it's stealing all of this money, which is kind of crazy. Um, either way, either of the P2SH after fork becomes a hash lock or Bitcoin transactions can be replayed alone would not result in anywhere near the fireworks because. For the former, would mostly only involve users intending to do that, and the latter wouldn't allow random third parties to take the coins. This should result in a massive influx of circulating coins ready for dumping on the markets and lots of popcorn for everyone who has steered clear of this mess. All right, so what, what this is saying is, any uh, if you have a pay-to-pubkey hash output pre-August 1st, 2017, or um, and you spent to a pay-to-script hash or segwit output, for that matter, um, well, if it's pay to script hash, then the signature is going to be valid and that transaction can be replayed on BSV and the pay to script hash can then be spent just knowing the redeem script. So whenever that gets spent, it's going to be gone. So that, that'll get basically claimed by people that uh, yeah, people on BSV basically. Um, and Greg uh, you know sort of speculates here that it would probably the fact- faction of mining that can um, amass 50% of the hash power. So um, I mean, this in itself is really interesting because it does give sort of miners an extra little incentive at, at least on that hard fork date. It, because if they can get more than 50% of the hash power, then they can claim all of that and they get like this one time windfall if they can figure out which ones that they can just immediately claim. So uh, and then maybe they go dump those and and uh, and do something for that. So, yeah, I I mean, it's it's really interesting. Uh, should take. Uh, yeah. So that's the read through on that. Let me read my article as well. Actually, maybe maybe I, I should save that. Well, all right, I'll, I'll read it. If you haven't heard yet, CoinFloor announced the exchange will be Bitcoin only come January 3rd, 2020. That is, they'll delist BCHNETH and concentrate only on BTC. Similarly, Bitcoin is no longer supporting BSV given their pay to script dash rollback coming in a month. This is welcome news, not the least to the poor engineers in charge of having to keep the costly nodes upgraded and running. This is the beginning of a trend, and in this article, I'm going to show all that goes into supporting an altcoin and why an exchange might be delisting certain tokens. The economics of exchange listing. Listing coins on exchanges has a sordid history going as far back as 2013 when BTCE allegedly listed NovaCoin in exchange for a significant portion of the pre-mine. Since then, there have really been only three ways to get a coin listed on an exchange. Demand by the customers. Bribe by the Token Central Committee, usually the founder or foundation, hard fork demanded by customers. The first is where the bulk of the long-term money is made for an exchange. The commissions on trades are where most of the money comes from, and customer demand is a good proxy for the revenue to be made from listing the token. Bribery is generally a short-term move as demand, if there at all, tends to not last. Still, the profits can be substantial short-term, especially during bull runs, as the frenzy tends to create crazy price action on the low-liquidity coins drawing in traders. Finally, hard forks can create coins that customers want their share of. BCH and ETC were two coins that essentially forced exchanges to at least give their customers their amounts due, through what was essentially a backdoor airdrop. These are, again, short-term moves as after the dump of the coins by people uninterested in holding them, the volume of trades tends to drop off substantially. Revenue. Further considerations for an exchange on the revenue front are that they may be deceived into listing a token through something like an exchange Sybil attack. Verifying that there is real customer demand can be, a diff- can be difficult and requires a lot of due diligence, which a lot of exchanges simply don't do. The trading volume after listing is often disappointing for that reason. In addition, trading volume on a newly listed token may also take trading volume away from other tokens, essentially robbing Peter to pay Paul. Finally, liquidity on a per-token basis tends to go down as more tokens are listed as there's only so much money that the customers have. This enlarges spreads, which reduce incentives for trading and ultimately hurt revenue. This is what you call liquidity dilution. In some, long-term, the revenue that an exchange can make off of a token based on hard-forks bribery are generally not worth it. Customer demand, however, tends to be better, though even that can be faked or taper off through too many listings. Expenses. The cost for an exchange for listing a token varies. Depending on the nature of the coin, it may be cheaper or cheap or expensive. It's known, for example, that keeping an Ethereum node up is very expensive, whereas keeping a Bitcoin node up is not. Furthermore, upgrading becomes a real issue when a coin hard forks. Hard forks require downtime and maintenance, which have continual, uh, have continual costs. BCH and XMR have hard forks every six months, ETH at least a couple times a year, though the upcoming one in two weeks was unscheduled. And without upgrading, there's no way for an exchange to verify transactions and downtimes create bad user experiences. BTC, on the other hand, has never had a hard fork. Thus, it's cheap to maintain BTC support, whereas the maintenance for a coin like ETH is expensive. Ultimately, the complexity of the system upgrades determines the cost to maintain a coin, and at a certain point, it may simply be uneconomical or even impossible to continue support, as we've seen with BitGo and BSV. Risks for an exchange. If the revenues of listing a token outweigh the costs of maintaining a token, it would seem obvious to list it, but that's a short-sighted view. There are numerous security risks associated with listing a token that also have to be factored in. Exchange hacking risk, block reorganization risk, replay protection risk, regulatory risk. Exchange hacking. The history of exchanges getting hacked is legion and the costs tend to be severe. The hacks can be internal by an employer or owner or external by an outside party or some combination. As listing a coin adds to the attack surface of any exchange, this has to be a major part of the calculation. Perhaps the most famous of these cases is the story of Cripsy, who in 2014 was allegedly hacked by listing a coin whose node software had malware. The creators of the coin apparently used the coin's full node software to get access to the Cripsy systems and then proceed to drain the exchange of 13,000 Bitcoin and 30,000 Litecoin. A security audit of each token's source code is necessary to reduce this risk, but given how much code has to be examined and given that sometimes the code isn't even available to be examined, This is not a common practice. Furthermore, any upgrades to the software should also require separate security audits in case any malicious code was added. Frequent forced software upgrades or hard forks make good security practices even more costly. Block reorganization risk. Another factor for an exchange from from a security perspective is the block reorganization risk. That is, a coin may be attacked directly and attackers may use the exchange as a way to cash out. For example, someone may deposit a large amount of a low-hash proof-of-work token to the exchange, trade them for something more liquid, and withdraw. Afterwards, the token ledger can itself be attacked and reorganized as to cancel the depositing transaction, essentially double-spending the coins. This would obviously be very bad for the exchange as they would be out a lot of money. Though it has not been tried yet, it's also possible that the token's controllers could change their ledger through a hard fork to screw over an exchange. A hard fork completely resets the rules, so it is at least possible in principle to drain an exchange solely through ledger manipulation in much the same way that ETH did with the DAO incident, but with the exchange as the thief. In other words, there is a risk of centralized controllers of these tokens stealing from the exchange through a ledger, ledger reset. This may not seem so likely now, but if an exchange is seen as a bad actor, that may be enough justification for a token's controllers to simply change the ledger to the exchange's detriment. Replay protection risk. Another risk is the possibility that a hard fork of a given coin might create a new coin against expectations of the community. ETH split to ETH and ETC in exactly this way back in 2016. Coinbase, for example, did not expect ETC to survive and thus sent out transactions which did not have replay protection and lost a lot of ETC which they then had to buy to compensate their customers. Regulatory risk. Finally, there are regulatory risks associated with a particular token. AML-KYC laws may make listing a privacy token especially hard, for example. Other regulatory concerns might be if a token is considered a security and the burden that might come with qualifying investors. As each jurisdiction has different regulatory requirements, risks here include not only laws that currently exist, but also laws that might come and the lobbying that might be necessary to prevent unfavorable ones. The ideal process for listing tokens The ideal process should require first a strong customer demand that is not just short term demand, but long term demand. There is generally a ton of interest in a token right after launch, but that generally tends to taper off except in extraordinary cases. Second, the code for a token should be audited and then compiled and run in an isolated secure environment. Any sort of upgrade should be run through the same process. Third, the number of confirmations should be high or otherwise there should be guarantees from the token founders for any losses due to chain reorganizations or ledger resets. Fourth, the coin should, be, should clear any legal regulations that are currently in place and any regulations that are likely in the near future. This is probably one that the exchanges are best at as legal expertise tends to be cheaper and easier to get than security expertise regarding the token software. Conclusion: Given the above, it's obvious that there are not enough security audits going on at exchanges, otherwise the Ethereum bug from the hard fork last week would have been caught by anyone competent. Instead, it looks like exchanges are blindly running whatever software that the Ethereum Foundation tells them to run, or worse, just relying on Ethereum. What this means is that very few exchanges are responsibly listing coins and that there should be a lot more delistings as security incidents become more frequent and trading volumes become lower. The exchanges that are hoping to avoid large financial losses without proper security audits will likely learn the hard way that hope and pray is not a great security strategy what Coinfloor has done is not isolated there have been hundreds of coin Day listings in the past year including bsv digibyte and many others the cost both in terms of maintenance and risk are simply not worth it at a certain point if an exchange wants to survive given that trading volumes are dropping and the increasing risks of each separate token we should expect not only to see more daily listings, but initial listings themselves to be less frequent given all the risks and costs for new token listings. All right, that was a read-through of my article. Let me uh, let me see if there are any questions. Let's see. Uh, when are they stealing funds? Probably right after the hard fork on February 2nd. Um, well, how does one exchange know that you send your BTC from that exchange to a Wasabi wallet address was newly generated and never been used before? It's uh, if it's going directly to a coin join, so coin join transactions are pretty obvious um, and they have a certain signature. Uh, all right, is hex the best scam of 2019? No, I thought it was a terrible scam. There, there were much, I, I I think Algorand was a much better scam, for example. Um, would you say big players as FB, central banks and other companies are coming into agreement and will shape the law so that only their crypto schemes can sort of work? I mean, they'll certainly try. But again, governments are very, very slow to move. Um, and usually there are people in government also that uh, that that also own Bitcoin and they'll they'll try to prevent it. Uh, is Jimmy just explaining here how a scam works? Kind of. Um, all right, let's see, or how that particular one does. Um all right, I think that's about it. Let me uh let me show my stuff once again. Uh we have the little bitcoin book available on Amazon and Kindle, paperback, and audiobook. We have uh, the Spanish version, El Pequeño Libro de Bitcoin, and the Portuguese version, El Pequeño Libro do Bitcoin um that's the audiobook uh my seminar is in las vegas february 20th and 21st um please apply if you are so interested i think the next uh next two conferences i am going to are advancing bitcoin this is in london february 6th and 7th um and yeah there there's a lot of a lot of people that will be there um a lot of core devs it looks like wow um and yeah it's gonna be a very good event Um there's also uh unconfiscatable this is uh tones conference in las vegas and of course there's a poker tournament and all that and that's where i'm holding my seminar please apply if you are so interested um yeah so that that's a lot of different things uh that will be happening in the next uh next couple of months um after that i think i might have something in april um i definitely have a bunch of things in may possibly in june um we'll 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 talk about all of that all right so that is about it thank you guys for watching it's always a pleasure to hang out with you guys and talk about bitcoin um uh i i think christmas is coming up in a couple of days so i i think i'm going to do a show with tone tomorrow but if i don't get to see you guys um Thank you for watching this year and getting through 2019 in one piece. Um, if you managed to hold on to your Bitcoins, congratulations. You, you've done very well. Um, if you held on to altcoins, I'm really sorry about that. Uh, but hopefully you learned a lesson. Um, and yeah, it, it's uh, it's been a, it, you know, we're, we're coming co- towards the clo- close of the year. We'll have one more show before the end. But, you know, I just uh, I want to. Give my appreciation to all of you that are uh, that are watching this channel. Please pound the like button and subscribe. Um, this song is.